You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, True of English. I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company. As you're listening to this, if you're listening to it as it's published, it's another holiday. Hopefully you've got the day off, you've got your feet up listening to Roof English. For us, it's Friday. Uh, us being me and my colleague here at Roof, Alexander Christiansen. Uh, are you off on the day this is published then, on the Monday? I am, yeah. You are this time? This okay, time you've I got am. this one. Fantastic. Okay. And this is the last holiday for a while. The national holiday is in June, but that's on a Saturday this year, so people won't really get it off will they? No, it's always a shame when <laughs> when one of these transferable holidays falls on. Yeah. I believe we talked about this the well, last time we, we were here actually. We did because I turned up on what was a holiday, not knowing it was a holiday, which was the first day of summer. Should we talk about the weather this week actually? Uh yeah, <laughs> right. Because that was what, the middle of April, the first day of summer, and there have been two sets of yellow alerts across most of the country uh, a few days ago much of iceland was blanketed if not by snow then certainly by hailstorms and very strong winds and the same happening again over the course of the weekend but i think there was some reporting suggesting that an eminent weather forecaster a meteorologist has looked at this and said but yes it's going to be different come Come June, summer is definitely on the way. How, you, do, how do they know? Are you convinced? No, I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't sound convinced by that at all. Well, we shall see if the weather does uh, pick up. Because I mean, the longest day, which is the kind of, you know, the seasonal height of summer as in, in one way, isn't it? That's only, what, three weeks away? Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, this week marked the first week uh, here in Reykjavik where you have no darkness. Yes. You know, the sun yes. sets, but it, it doesn't actually get dark. So yeah. that's always, I'm always equally surprised at this point in the year. Like, how can it be so bright and it will only be brighter? I know. And I look at the clock and think, but it's it's half past 10 and it's still, if not fully daylight, it's still very bright. It's like a cloudy day right. at 10.30 in the evening. And as you say, there are still some weeks of that to go. So anyway, that's the weather. Not the last time we'll talk about it, I suspect. But I think maybe the biggest story this week, and this really did shock a lot of people, and uh, not to mention a lot of parliamentarians from various parties in Althingi. This was the 13th consecutive interest rate rise. The central bank, again, still trying to tackle inflation, doing so by jacking interest rates up to 8.75%. That's a rise of 1.25 percentage points. That's a big jump anyway, isn't it? Just in terms of the size of the, the increase. It really is. And, and people were expecting the interest rates to be raised, but I think you know most analysts were expecting either 0.75 or 1%. Mm. Mm. But the central bank decided to, well, make it even bigger, 1.25, which was surprising. And a lot of people are really starting to worry about this because that translates into a huge amount of extra money that people have to find for their mortgages, for their loans every month. But the reason that the central bank are doing this is to try to tackle inflation. And inflation seems to be coming down. It's come down in the last couple of days from 9.9 to 9.5. So people must be hoping that the, the, the bank are going to think to themselves, well, it's working. We don't need to raise interest rates for a 14th time. I mean, let's hope so, because, <laughs> <laughs> because up until this point, it hasn't really been working or it hasn't been enough because, you know, we've seen these 13 interest rate hikes, as you, as you mentioned, over the course of the last two years. But meanwhile, inflation has just increased. And sure, it's gone down a little bit, mm -hmm. but... 
it's not far away from the peak, which was, I believe, 10.2%. 10.2 in February, uh-huh. yeah, so it's 9.5 just now. The bank have said that inflation, they predict at least, that inflationary pressure will be considerably higher this year and next year than previously expected. So that doesn't that doesn't mean perhaps that inflation is going to be higher than it was, but it's going to be higher than they thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. perhaps. Which I suppose will make some people think, well, if you've been raising interest rates 13 times in a row and inflation is still a problem. Maybe that's not working. <laughs> it's time to try something else. And I mean, a lot of people, not only from the opposition parties in parliament, but also even from within the government parties, especially the independence party, have been pointing out that perhaps the central bank is is a bit isolated in this mm. and the government is not, not doing enough. I mean, we know that when the last budget was proposed, for instance, you had a, a deficit of what was it, hundred billion kronas, which is, uh, which is a lot of money. Yeah, uh, yeah. And of course, is contributing to to the inflation. And I think many people are asking themselves, you know, what is the government doing? What is the government doing to try and mm. what, what and, do you say, ease the tension? <laughs> yeah, and and I wonder if if people are still going to get the blame for this because they go on holiday to Tenerife. I mean, famously, this was the defence that was made, or at least the, the explanation that was given last year that. People are spending too much money domestically and spending too much money on holidays, and that's what's causing inflation to rise. And yeah, and I that's mean, a tough message to sell, isn't it? You can't go on holiday because inflation's too high. No, and I mean maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's true. Maybe maybe inflation would be solved if no one went to Tenerife. But let's be real. I I don't think there's anyone who's who's at home and who thinks to himself and his family, you know what? I'm I'm not going to go on a holiday. To save the economy. I'm going to do my bit. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go to Borganes for the week instead of <laughs> instead of Tenerife. Well, I prefer going to Borganes, to be honest. I don't like the hot weather at all. Talking of leaving the country, talking of flying abroad, EasyJet are the latest airline to plan a route directly from international destinations into Akareri. Now, of course, that airport has seen its troubles this year already with Nicer collapsing and, of course, Condor. They were running flights as well that were eventually cancelled. So third time lucky, do we think? Are EasyJet big enough to uh, to get this successful route to the UK away and other places? Let's hope so. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say or what to expect because, like you say, this is not the first experiment, probably not the last, mm. but... It would be it would be really really nice not only for for the people mm. in Iceland living in the north of course that's great for them but also for the Brits yeah or, or anyone else in Europe who wants to see a different part of Iceland without having to fly to Keplavik and then get to the domestic airport in Reykjavik and fly uh, on that service to Akureyri and I think I think we're right in saying as well that Iceland are looking at connecting the international airport at Keplavik with Akureyri Airport, which will make things a bit easier. Yeah. I saw a, a parliamentarian, actually, from, from the north uh, who was pointing out that this is not Iceland Air's first experiment with either a connection between Akureyri and Keplavik or just a direct flight from Akureyri. Yeah. At the same time that some other company is is planning, you know, something to do with, with the Akureyri Airport. When the storms happened last year, just before Christmas and and we and afterwards as well, remember the the road to the airport, Route One or, or Route Forty One rather, right to the airport was was completely snowbound and people were stuck at the airport. Icelander ran 
a service for their staff between the airport at Keplavik and the Reykjavik domestic airport, which has never happened before. And our, our aviation friend who's been on the show a couple of times, Andre Menchenin, said this was the, the first and only time that Iceland Air have run a domestic service between Keplavik and Reykjavik. <laughs> and it was to get staff between one place and the other. Anyway, back to EasyJet. That route is going to start between Akareri and uh, Gatwick, which is one of the London airports to the south of London. 31st of October, it will fly until March, all being well. 14 new routes in total, this is one of them. And I think that, you know, if this works, and I really hope it does, a lot of people are going to be surprised by just how how different and how attractive the north of Iceland is. Exactly. And, and one thing you notice when you, when you drive around the country, because I did this tour this uh, winter with my friends from Europe and we went all over the countries and to see to see the places in the north and see the the difference between you know you have the places in the south sure they are mm. wonderful Geysir, Gullfoss, Thingvellir but they're all crowded yeah, yeah. and then yeah. you you know you go to these other places they're just as magnificent but you actually feel like you're experiencing the maybe isolation or or yeah, the isolation that people yeah. expect when they come to Iceland. Well, we went to Mývatn in 2004, I think it was. And Mývatn, of course, is it's described rather sort of conveniently as the Blue Lagoon of the North. Same sort of idea. It's not quite as big, but it is pretty big. But when we went there, it was about 15 minutes before it officially opened. There was nobody else there at all. The guy, there's literally one person who was working there. He said, it's fine, just go in. So we had Mývatn entirely to ourselves for like an hour before the next tourists arrived. It was fun. Just imagine that. You've got a, a pool almost as big as, as the Blue Lagoon and every bit is wonderful, entirely to yourself for nearly an hour. I don't think that would happen now in the north, would it, Miva? No, probably not. But <laughs> <laughs> but still, it's when you compare it to the Blue Lagoon, yeah, 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 it makes yeah. such a difference. No, it's a, it's a tremendous part of the world. And I was there for Roof English, and we recorded a number of shows in that part of, of Iceland, some of which are still to be published, and they will be before too long. So that's EasyJet to Akureyri from Gatwick and a variety of other locations as well. Someone else who's travelling soon is uh, the President, Gudni. He's off to Canada with the First Lady next week. First oh, yes. first state visit to Canada for 23 years. And it is the First Lady's birthplace they're going to visit, Ottawa. Right. Which is where she's from. So they'll be all over the place. They'll be in Ottawa and Halifax and St. John's and Toronto as well. And I don't know whether you remember, you almost certainly do, when the Canadian Prime Minister had to reprimand the Icelandic president, for what he said about pizza toppings. Remember this? Oh, right. Yeah, it was that Trudeau? That was Trudeau, yeah, yeah, 2017. So just remind us what the controversy was, if you if you remember. Wait, it had something... It, it, it was the pineapple on pizza <laughs> That's thing, the one. right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So, uh, who was on which side? Well, Guthany was on the wrong side, as far as I'm concerned. He said that uh, pizza on pineapple should be banned. Mm, right. But the Hawaiian pizza apparently was invented not in Hawaii but in Toronto. So Justin Trudeau said, you can't, you can't go around banning pineapple on pizza. <laughs> what side are you on then? I feel I'm on the pineapple on pizza. So <laughs> yeah, like yeah, me I too. sometimes have it as a topping. Me too. I'm, I'm very much in favour of that, and I, I'd, I would go for that every, um, every time. So hopefully that's not going to cause another diplomatic incident. This might be the final mention of the Eurovision Song Contest on Roof English for this year. You never know. But the numbers are in, and... This is the share of all TV viewing in Iceland of Eurovision this year. So the percentage of people who were watching television 
that were watching Roof, essentially, watching the Eurovision Song Contest. 98.7%. Jesus Christ. <laughs> when you see these figures, the, the first thing that pops into my mind is how embarrass, embarrassing is it that we've never won this competition? We care so much about yeah. it. You know, There's no other country where this is such an important contest, and yet we just... No, we can't win. Sweden, which has won it seven times, 82.3%, still a lot of people, but 98.7% of all TV viewers in Iceland. You could have you could have marched naked across the screen on any other channel <laughs> that night and no one would have seen it. Well, 1.3% of people would have seen it. Incredible stuff, isn't it? Were you one of the 98.7%? I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah me too, me too. Do you think that a win is possible, because it was a disappointing year. Delia's song was great. We know that she was just one place away from qualifying for the final, but a disappointing year, no question about it. I think it's possible, especially after Dade's uh, fate, because <laughs> let's be real, uh, he would have won. He was the the spiritual winner. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like, you know, maybe it's just the Icelander in me talking, but hey, he topped the whatever you call these things, the odds checkers. Yeah, yeah, he was the, the, yeah the bookies were, they had him as the, as the favourite. Exactly. And they're usually right. They are. Because it's the wisdom of the crowds, isn't it? That's people putting their money where their mouth is. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, let, let's, let's assume that he won it that year. Yeah. So let me rephrase the question. When do you think Iceland can win the Eurovision Song Contest again? Ah, right. Like for, a second, <laughs> for a second time. Uh, I, I don't know. I Sometime, What's it going to take? Sometimes I think <laughs> to myself, and I know this might not be very popular here within this building in Astalete, maybe we have to do away with uh, the Sönkvaketni, the qualification here, or at least give it a try. Uh, How would we choose the entrant then? Uh, we would have some very artistic people come together in a room. Like um, a jury? Yeah. yeah, yeah, like a jury. Uh, but then you get into, if you look at the final itself, when Sweden won, but the people's favourite was Finland, uh, and a lot of people said, well, you've, you've got millions of people voting across Europe saying, we want Finland, we want Finland, and you've got a jury of you know, a handful of people saying actually Sweden was better. It does feel, doesn't it, that those millions of people have got their votes not really counted as seriously. So I think if you took it out of the hands of the public, then the public are going to be pretty angry yeah the thing absolutely but <laughs> so be it <laughs> so so what you're saying is that you want to decide <laughs> i'm not saying nah. maybe maybe maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh. well there is still plenty of time of course and i think we've discussed here at roof english before just where we would hold the contest yeah if, if it ever happens and this that is... would be i was at thing that um a couple of weeks ago and uh, I was speaking to one of the interpretive planners there, Torvi, saying there's so much space here and you look back at the photographs of the thousandth anniversary of Althingi when you've got 30, 40, 50,000 people there that's where you have Eurovision if Iceland wins have it outside at mm, Right <laughs> and if it rains it just If it rains it rains uh, yeah, sure. yeah, you, don't, you don't come to Iceland for the weather do you? Well, no. you, might, you might come for the skiing perhaps I suppose and just a, a very quick final word on something happening in the east of Iceland. Uh, and this is a developing story, I think. Uh, the Minister of Infrastructure working out how to prioritise the building of new tunnels in East Iceland. We know the tunnels are going to be built, but the question is over which one gets built first. And the Infrastructure Minister 
is requesting more information from civil defence about how this should happen. I think there was a plan in place, wasn't there, to build them a certain way around, but but civil defence and their evidence, I think based on what happened over the last couple of months, is saying, no, build the other one first. What's happening here, do you know? Uh, well, you know, there are, all over the country, there are these uh, wishes from the locals to, to build tunnels, and of course they have to be prior, prioritised somehow. And there is like an official list of, you know, basically to-do list. Let's start mm. with this one and then this one and, and so forth when we have enough money. Uh, and one of the, the tunnels at the top is uh, uh which, yeah, is, is a tunnel that people have been wanting for decades. Uh, and, now, and what would that connect then? Fjarðarhöðagöng, uh, they would connect uh, Seyðisfjörður and Eilstaðir. Okay, so Eilstaðir, major major town in the east of Iceland, it's on Route 1. Seyðisfjörður is where the international ferries go. Mm-hmm. So that's an important route to protect, exactly. many people would say. Um, but the civil authorities, they, they have been pointing out, uh, or they want another tunnel to be prioritised, which is a tunnel between Seyðisfjörður and a town called Neskupstaður. Um and basically what the transport ministry or ministry of Inf- infrastructure is is asking the civil defense authorities now is why mm. <laughs> why do you want that um and honestly it will be interesting to see because at least i am not sure why that is no but there's a case for both isn't there because neskupstadir was the town of course that was affected very badly by the the avalanches um, in the last couple of months, and one of the problems was just getting to the town with rescue equipment and rescue teams, because the road remained dangerous to travel. So you can—I I, mean—is that maybe part of the ongoing decision? What happened a couple of months ago? Do you think? Sounds uh, plausible. Yeah, but am I right in saying then that the, both of these tunnels are eventually going to be built, and this is just about deciding the order in which they they happen? Yeah, probably, but. Then again, at some point, what does that mean? Does that mean 20 years or does it mean 60 years? Because like this Fjarðarheiði tunnel, this is something that people have been talking about for decades. Yes, Um, yes. And understandably, because these are very expensive tunnels, I believe the cost is expected to be somewhere around 45 billion Icelandic kronos, and that's for not that many people. And looking at a map of this area here, from Eilstaðir to Sýðisfjörður, and this would be, you know, in a straight line, thirteen point four kilometres, which is about maybe slightly more twice as long as the tunnel under Kvalsfjörður that you know shaves some time off the journey north of, of Reykjavik. So that's yeah. a, that's a lot of tunneling to do, isn't it? Thirteen kilometres. That's a that's a big project. That's a big project, and if we know anything about these tunnel projects in Iceland, it's that they all, always go above the planned cost. So forty five billion could easily turn into sixty, seventy. Yeah. Actually, I've had an idea. By the time you've built the tunnel to say this fear, they just keep going until you reach the pharaohs. Yeah, right. <laughs> that would save the ferry journey, wouldn't it? That's one way around the problem, I suppose. I think we've covered lots of ground there, and we've maybe headed through the sea as well. So thank you very much for that, as ever, my colleague here at Roof Today, Alexander Christiansen, uh, taking us through the week in Iceland. Enjoy the rest of the day off if you have it. This is Roof English. I'm Darren Adam, and you can get in touch with us anytime. English at ruv.is.
You are listening to the Roof English Podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.